Hey everyone, my name is Antonia Mandulia and you're listening to That Hockey Chick. Welcome back to another episode of That Hockey Chick. There were a lot of things going on uh, around the NHL this week. A lot of very good things that happened for the Maple Leafs, which I will definitely be talking about later. It's also a really special episode because I have a very special guest coming on during the Take a Break from Tone segment, which I will introduce later on. But until then, there's a lot of stuff to get through, so let's just jump right in. First off, the NHL is a mess. So many things going on right now, and I know you all know what I'm referring to with Tom Wilson. This incident proved how much of a mess the NHL is in. And, you know, this season, it hasn't just been with, you know, this incident with Tom Wilson. It's been with the refing this season, not just for the Leafs, not just in the North Division, but all around. There's been so many incidents that have happened over the course of this season that have just been so questionable. And I feel like a lot of people have started to realize that the NHL is not, does not follow up to its standards as much as other leagues do. You look at, you know, the NBA and MLB and things like that. I feel like the NHL is the worst in terms of living up to its standards and its rules and its protocols, but basically this this week just proved that the NHL is is in a complete mess. So in terms of the Tom Wilson incident, it has been at the, the top of the news cycle for for the hockey world recently. I won't spend too much time on this one because I had a good conversation about it with with my guests, which you'll hear about later on. I wanted to mention my thoughts on it briefly though. I'm not against fighting in the league and like hitting and all of that. I I think it adds something to the game and I like it. Um, I think it's, it's needed in a game like hockey, but definitely to a certain extent. I don't like seeing defenseless guys having their heads pounded in the ice Or other guys being thrown around like rag dolls and having their hair pulled and head smashed into the ice without a helmet. And then receiving no consequences for it or very little consequences for it. It could have been a lot worse for both Panarin and Buchnevich. I know that Wilson was punished for what he did with Buchnevich, although it was nowhere near what it should have been. For Panarin, he got nothing and Panarin's actually out for the rest of their season. Regardless, it could have been a lot worse for both of them. I know Panarin, for example, jumped on his back, but there were other ways that Wilson could have handled it. He didn't have to go to the extent that he did. I mean, he could have just roughed Panarin up a bit and when he when Panarin hit the ice the first time, he could have just stopped, but he proceeded to to do what he did. And he has a huge, huge, huge history of doing things like this and being suspended for it, but he doesn't seem to learn. And smacking a $5,000 fine on him, what's that supposed to do? If he if he's not learning from having seven-game suspensions and, and a whole bunch of other suspensions and fines, what's a $5,000 fine going to do? It's not going to it's not going to help the issue. He's just going to come back and do it again if he knows that he's just going to get a $5,000 fine. You know, p- people can't say that that's what you have to do because you have guys like Simmons, for example, who knows how to send a message. When Edler did what he did to Hyman, the next game, Simmons went in and he fought him. He could have done a lot worse, but he knew when to stop. He knew when to say, okay, I've sent my message. This guy gets it. Now I can stop. He knew when he was about to go too far and when he was about to cross the line. Wilson does does not care. He does not care about crossing a line. He, he just does whatever the hell he wants doesn't seem to care about anything or about anyone else. 
at this point it's just it's a lack of respect for the league it's a lack of respect for the other players on the ice no one wants to go on the ice questioning whether they're going to be seriously or severely injured in a game just because someone decides that they're going to take it into their own hands and do whatever the hell they want and then there's a whole bunch of stuff on social media too the capitals twitter posted a con the controversial tweet and then they deleted it which obviously showed that they knew that what they posted was wrong it was it was promoting violence or something along those lines then the rangers made a statement on social media they were fined 250 for 250,000 for that basically for embarrassing the league and telling the truth compared to the $5,000 fine that wilson got for nearly killing two people in my opinion the rangers being fined it was worth the $250,000 fine pretty sure they knew that they were gonna have some sort of consequence after putting out that statement but it, it was worth it for them they're sticking up for their players that's the point of a team that's that's what they're doing and i definitely think that it was the right move by them player safety is just screwed up their policies and everything they're all messed up they have no idea what they're doing no consistency whatsoever in the way that they make these decisions and you can tell that what they're doing is not consistent not right by by any means because you have an entire team you have the rangers and then you have so many ex-nhl players that used to be goons themselves they used to they used to be running around hitting and fighting guys themselves when you had these ex-nhl players coming out and saying that what wilson did was unacceptable people were coming out and saying sign me they were saying to the rangers sign me on a one-day contract and i'll come and take care of this guy you know something is wrong here something is not right in this situation something needs to be fixed then you can even start comparing edler for example got two games for the knee on knee with hyman mckinnon got five thousand fine the same that wilson got but mckinnon got it for throwing a helmet at someone and wilson got it for for what he did like it's there's no consistency whatsoever it's not like it's a split second decision. You know, when refs are on the ice and they have to call a penalty, that's a split second decision. I can understand where some confusion might be. But with player safety, when they're when they're looking at these things, they're looking at it the next day. They have an entire night after the game, they have an entire day to review the play, to talk about it, think about it. So it's not like it's a split second decision that they're making in terms of punishment. And in the end he Wilson virtually got nothing. And he, he literally got nothing for Panarin and virtually basically got nothing for Buchnevich as well. And they knew he was a, re a repeat offender too. That's that's what kills me. And then Buchnevich gets a game for the cross check. On its own, it's definitely a suspension. 100%, I agree, it's a suspension. But given the circumstances, it's possible that they could have done something else. Then there was the following game, where, which is where the, this suspension occurred. And there were six fights in the opening five minutes. There was a huge scrum off the draw. They had over like 100 penalty minutes between the two teams by the end of the game. What did the NHL really expect? If the players know and feel, and you could tell from the Rangers post-game interviews, they felt that they were not being protected by the league, which is what the league is supposed to do, which protect its players. So they're going to go and they're going to take it into their own hands, and rightfully so. If they believe that they're they're not going to be protected when they're on the ice, they feel like they're in danger when they're on the ice, rightfully so, they're going to go and they're going to protect themselves. So everything that came out of that game was the league's fault, and it showed that they care more about their image and whatever than they do about actual player safety. They, they rather acknowledge or promote 
fighting in the sense that happened in the in that second Rangers and Capitals games than they do about making a statement about player safety saying hey you can't do that. Then everyone was talking about Peros and whether he's fit for his role and we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. We don't know who's saying what, who's saying suspend, who's saying fine. We don't know. But apparently when Wilson hit uh, Brandon Carlo from the Bruins and he got seven games, Peros didn't want to suspend him and it was actually Bettman that stepped, uh, came forward and said he didn't like the optics so they, Bettman overruled him and decided to suspend him. So is he fit for his role? I don't know. And then someone um, had suggested, which I really like the suggestion, suggestion, bringing in a third party to take care of suspensions and everything so that it's not people that were, that are related to the NHL or were ever related to the NHL. That way, you know, they have a rule book, they have a policy book, they follow it, you know, word for word. And that way, I feel like you would see more consistency and proper explanation in the way that these things are decided. And like I said, overall, it's image over safety and it's become clear to fans and other teams and players. And again, you can see it because everyone's starting to take it into their own hands. There was also a Minnesota Wild game uh, versus Vegas something similar happened there. Something similar also happened with Crosby. I believe it was that same night or the night after Crosby did something similar. So, you know, players are like, you know, screw this. We're just going to do whatever the hell we want because the league's not going to protect us either way. Moral of the story, it could have been very, very easily avoided. Just last point on this, there was actually on Sportsnet uh, during intermission in the game, uh, in the Leafs game on Saturday, there was, uh, when the panel uh, was talking about the Wilson incident, one of them was saying how, I forget I forget her name, it was the, the woman that was speaking, and she was saying that, you know, the, the NHL wants to grow the game. They're very actively trying to grow the game right now, and parents already don't want to put their kids in hockey because, you know, of everything that they're seeing on TV. You want parents to choose hockey over other sports, you, you can't let things like this happen. You have to, you know, start eliminating things like this. And she said too, she said she, you know, she likes the fighting, the hitting and all that stuff. She's not saying to eliminate that, but she's saying you have to put a cap on it. And I believe it was Kevin Bieksa saying uh, that what he did wasn't, wasn't bad. So there's no reason for it. But it's the fact that there could be a next time. And what she was trying to say is that you don't want to just let it slide because then what could happen next time could be a lot worse. And, you know, maybe the events of what happened in this incident weren't 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 as bad, they weren't as severely injured, but you don't want there to be a next time. And slapping a five thousand dollar fine on him says tells him you can do it again, basically. So that's all about that. Uh I just wanted to move on now. To TJ Oshie, this happened in the second Rangers-Capitals game, and it sucks because it was kind of, like, overshadowed by the whole Wilson incident, but he had a hat-trick in the se- in this second game, and it was after his dad had passed away, I believe it was a couple days before, and again, it's sad that it kind of went under the radar because of everything else going on, but it, that was really, really great to see for him that he was able to get that hat-trick, and then really emotional, but really great to see. And then back to Tortorella, I've talked about him so much this season, but it is official that him and the Blue Jackets have mutually have agreed to part ways after his contract is up this summer. Like I said before, I saw this coming. We knew that his time was coming to an end. I mean, 
the antics that he was pulling by the end of the season were just like so unnecessary and maybe he knew that he was he was gonna leave so he just said like screw it I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want but I wonder where where, uh, he's gonna end up next. Don Cherry was also in some hot water with Leafs fans this week after a couple comments that he made in regards to the Leafs. One was that he sees teams that are good, like the Leafs, and he says that they'll never go anywhere in the playoffs because they get like 15 to 20 hits. This comment I'm, I'm a little bit more okay with because, you know, he's right to some degree in the playoffs. Intensity is increased, you know, there's a lot more physicality and stuff like that. So they have to get more physical in order to keep up. Fine. The second comment, though, I don't know where he pulled this out of or what he was on when he made this comment. But he said that Campbell has only lost two games and that he looks like a cocky guy. Sorry, what? Are we talking about the same Jack Campbell, the guy who gets run over by other teams and by other players and still gives them a sick tap after the play? The guy who everyone says is the nicest guy in the league, he's calling him cocky because he's only lost two games. I don't, I don't know, just that common bears like, has no standing whatsoever. I don't know where where he got that from or why he said that. But regardless, that's that was Don Cherry's deal this week. So before I get to the playoff update, I wanted to revisit the North Division controversy because it came up a couple times again this week, mainly because of McDavid and Matthews. They both reached the the their huge milestones this week that were very highly anticipated. Sadly though, their performance is being undercut. More so, actually, McDavid's performance isn't really being undercut. It's more so Matthews. But so McDavid met the 100-point mark on Saturday in 53 games, and Matthews hit his 40-goal mark in just 49 games. Both incredible, absolutely insane records uh, for them to both have. I'm going to talk about Matthews later. And I, I've seen a lot of people trying trying to argue that Matthews is better because scoring goals is harder. Uh, other people saying that McDavid's is better because he's putting up like two to between two to four points every game. You know, really helping his team out. Uh, and people saying that oh, they're just assists, so it's not as good. Blah, blah blah. I don't think I don't. I feel like there's no point in actually trying to say which is better because they're kind of two totally different players reaching totally different milestones. McDavid's more of the playmaker, you're racking up points, and then Matthews is more of the goal scorer. I feel like it's not really not really fair to compare the two. So anyway, there's a lot of people trying to diminish their successes, pin them against each other, and it's like, but why? If, if any player was doing this on any team, regardless of whether you hate the player or hate the team that they're on, why wouldn't you look at them and say like, wow, that's awesome for someone to be able to do that regardless of who they play for or who they are, I I just think it's it's amazing that we get to see something like that happen. Now, moving on, I I don't want to hear any of this North Division is easy stuff anymore. I feel like McDavid and the Oilers haven't really been hearing it in terms of associating it with McDavid's season, but it has been associated on countless occasions with Matthews and his record-breaking season, and with the Leafs and their season. I just, I don't like hearing it anymore, and I, I feel like, again, I'm going to talk about this later with my guests, but everyone has a grudge against the Leafs for some reason. Not really sure what reason it's for, 
but what it most likely the reason is that the Leafs get a lot of coverage and the Leafs are in the media a lot. They are talked about a lot. Maybe people are jealous or they why they have a grudge against the Leafs, why they feel like they have to diminish the Leafs because the Leafs are one of the most popular franchises in the NHL and it has led to all of this North Division is easy stuff and I just don't like hearing it. It may be the softest out of all four divisions, but it's still highly competitive in itself. Almost all Canadian teams except for Ottawa made the playoffs last year when the divisions were normal. That's my point number one. Scoring in the North is roughly the same as scoring in every other division. That's my point number two. Goals against are the lowest in the North Division, speaking to defense, point number three. For a while, it was just the Leafs that had clinched, and we had no teams eliminated when all other divisions had several teams eliminated and clinching already. The North Division was the slowest to have anyone clinch. It was not until just recently that Ottawa was eliminated and that Edmonton and Winnipeg clinched and all that, we were the last division pretty much to solidify playoff spots, and we're still waiting. We're the only division that has not solidified playoff spots yet. And that's my point number four. I mean, it shows that other divisions have their solid three teams on top that are very good, very solid. And then they have their three or so bottom bottom teams, less successful, less organized, less solid teams. The North is more evenly spread, in my opinion. In terms of how successful teams are, it's more more evenly spread. The teams are more alike. And the point spread in the North Division between the teams is a lot is a lot smaller. It's a lot closer between the teams. And I just feel like it's it's very competitive in and of itself, this North Division. And that's why we're the last division to clinch. The other divisions they have, it's uh, it's very clear when you look at the standings, you can see that they have, there's a very clear division between the top three teams and the bottom teams. And, you know, maybe that's why people are saying that those divisions are so much harder and so much more competitive but you can also look at it and say that that division could also be considered easy because you have these teams that have like 10 point or so leads on all the rest of the teams in in the division and I don't know I just I feel like the bottom teams in those divisions are very far down and in the north division they're a lot closer and to me that sound that makes it seem like it's more it's more competitive but back to Matthews 40 goals in his first season, 47 last year when playing against the entire league. It's it's not a good excuse to use this North Division thing because he's gotten over 40 before. I'm pretty sure it's the third time in his career that he's done so. And the other two times, he has been in the normal the normal division setting. So what what makes it what makes it different this year? You can't really say that it's cuz he's in the North because he's done it before when he's been in in the regular division. And you know, love when McDavid hit 100. I mean, rightfully so, he deserves recognition, but so does Matthews. You know, when McDavid hit the 100, everyone was praising him saying how incredible and amazing it was, but there's been no association or mention to the fact that he's in the supposed Mickey Mouse division, but that's all we heard when Matthews hit 40. So, it sucks, but I know it's not bothering Matthews or the Leafs, so technically it shouldn't really bother us. Alright, so moving on, before we take a break, I wanted to give a playoff update. I'm going to do round one winner predictions next week when everything is all settled and all teams are, are basically finished. So in the North Division, Oilers and, Jet- and Jets clinched this week. We are still waiting for the fourth spot to be clinched, but it will most likely be Montreal. Central Division... 
Nashville took the last spot over Dallas. Carolina clinched the top spot in the division as well. And round one has also been set for Florida versus Tampa. In the East Division, Bruins clinched this past week, and Pittsburgh also clinched the top of their division. And in the West, St. Louis took the last spot, so they're all set as well. And uh, of course, I didn't mention it, but of course the Leafs clinched the top of their division, but I'm going to be talking about that later, so don't worry. All right, we're going to take a break now, and coming up next, I will be recapping the Leafs week, and we will talk about the games from this week as well, so stay tuned. All right, so a few pieces of news uh, for the Leafs this past week. Most notably was Freddie Anderson's progress. He was practicing with the Leafs. He had half a game with the Marlies where he saved 12, 12 saves on 14 shots. And then he had a full game with the Marlies with 35 saves on 39 shots. He might not have looked the best or what we were expecting. But also remember, it was a knee injury that he was coming off of, which is extremely hard for goalies to come off of. And I do believe that there was also a bit of it that was in his head, like mentally, uh, feeling the pressure from the media and and all of that. So I think, I mean, kudos, kudos to him for knowing that he wouldn't be able to perform up to par and that he knew he had to take himself out and take time for himself to get better. So it was definitely good that that he did that and that he took the time. I mean, he didn't start great with the in the games that he played with the Marlies, but at least he can use this Marley stint to work some stuff out for a bit rather than have him jump right into NHL play because if he had done that, it would have it would have been a lot worse. It was good for him to be able to get into an actual game because the practice when he practices with with the Leafs players and stuff it does not compare at all to being in an actual game whether that be an NHL or AHL game being in a game is just totally different so it is great that he was able he was able to do that in both of these games he was after like the first the first little bit maybe the first period I would say in both games he really settled down and he looked good and especially in the second game the full game that he played he also got overtime and shootout as well and although they lost the end of the third period and in overtime and in shootout he looked really really good he kept the Marlies in that game when they weren't able to capitalize on any of their chances so no I know we all wanted to see a shutdown Freddie the Freddie that we all know and love but it it just it's not going to happen right away it wasn't going to happen right away it was unrealistic for us to think so i'm hoping that they can get him in for the last couple games against the sens and maybe the jets too i know those games don't don't necessarily mean as much or mean anything honestly now that we've clinched the top so it would be good maybe just to get him in there get him some practice before the playoffs start. I know there's cap issues and everything. I don't know. A few decisions would, a few arrangements and decisions would have to be made, but it would be good to get him into an NHL game or a couple NHL games, at least, even if they're still thinking of going with Campbell, which is fine because he's in the groove and everything right now. I agree with keeping him in until he falters. Regardless of if, if they're deciding on going with Campbell, I do think they need to get him into a couple NHL games so that he doesn't go in cold if he is called upon. And also with those AHL games that he played with the Marlies, I feel like it was just a lose-lose situation for him. I mean, if he lost those games and he was receiving a lot of shit, and if he had won those games... Everyone would have just been saying that it was, you know, it was just because it was an AHL game, so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't show what he can actually do. So either way, it was a lose-lose situation for him. Uh, but moving on, Felino was banged up in Monday's game. Uh, said it was an upper body injury. He missed the game on Thursday, also missed the game on Saturday. 
unclear what happens past uh, past this weekend if he's if they're gonna try and get him in before or in one of these last couple of games. I would think they would try to if they can because, like I said, I know it sucks because this is uh, when Keith was saying that he was trying to he was going to try to get Felino on different lines in the last few games, like the second and third, to see if he works better anywhere else than on the first line. Now I don't really think he'll be able to, but. Again, it's not too big of a deal because like Hyman, we kind of know what Felino is capable of. So, And last, we had Nash and Hyman joining the Leafs for practice, both in uh, the red no-contact sweaters. So we'll be waiting for an update on them as well. Okay, so now going into the games. Monday's game versus Montreal, we did lose in overtime. Sandin got uh, power play one unit time pretty much all week whenever we got the chance to have a power play. Now let's talk about the overtime goal by Caulfield. Now, in my opinion, everyone was making such a big deal about Cole Caulfield. Look, he's going to be an amazing player, but people need to relax. He scored, I I believe it was two two games in a row, he scored the overtime winner for Montreal. That's, that's awesome. That's cool. We're going to be hearing about that OT winner for years now. <laughs> uh, people are going to be referring to it every time we play Montreal. It was a great goal. It also wasn't legendary or groundbreaking, and people need to relax. He's, he's a new kid coming into the league. He's only played a few games, like just relax a bit this entire game and the next game. The only time I noticed him other than the overtime goal was either when he whiffed on a shot or when he got checked by the ref. Those are the only other times that I noticed him on the ice. He's going to be great. He will. But people are just like inflating him so much and it's kind of, kind of annoying. Anyway, back to the goal. So first of all, the entire overtime, the Habs were playing keep away from Matthews and Marner and Riley. They only put pressure on when Matthews got off the ice because they didn't want to risk losing the puck to him. I guess that's a good strategy, but it's also really cheap and I wasn't I wasn't really a fan of it, even though it ended up working out for them. But now with the goal, it was allowed to happen because of a missed chance by Matthews and Marner. Matthews and Marner had a 2-1-1. You see those two coming at you on a 2-2, sorry, 2-1-0. You see those two coming at you on a 2-on-0. It's safe to assume that it's going to be in the back of the net. Now, we know the Leafs are horrible with breakaways and odd man rushes, as we would see later this week a few times as well. Several breakaways and several odd man rushes were either screwed up or missed or whatever. But this was bad. I would think, uh, I mean, you can blame both of them here. There's a case to be made for both of them. Like for Marner, he passed when he was too close to the net. He should have just taken the shot. And we know that Marner's had trouble doing that lately. And he most always resorts to passing at times when he should just shoot. And then Matthews, on the other hand, he could have shot the first time it was passed to him because we know and he knows that he has the shot and he could have scored from there easy. So I, it was a bit of miscommunication between the two of them, but it's safe to say that these two do deserve a break because, I mean, it's Matthews and Marner. I really wish they would have capitalized on it, but they deserve a break. Special teams, again, killed us. It, it would be the theme for the whole week. We were 0 for 3 in this game and Montreal was 1 for 4. And it just shows that even capitalizing on one, just one power play would have helped. We're not asking them to go 3 for 3 and capitalize on every single power play in every game. At least just one. I mean, in this case, if we had gotten one, could have walked away with the win. Uh, Thursday's game against Montreal, we took the win 5 to 2. This is when Matthews hit his 40 goal mark. Talk about it in a bit because he's the player of the week. Spoiler alert. 
Uh, we also saw Noisen and Engvall in the lineup. Brooks was out. Again, it's no cause for concern for someone like Brooks to be sitting out. They were saying that they're going to be making a lot of moves that are cap-related to try and make space, I'm assuming, for Freddie. It also gives Keith the, Keith the chance to observe everyone so he knows what he has walking into the playoffs and he knows who he can use where and all of that. The second line was also buzzing this game and anyone who thought that Galchenyuk should be taken out above others need to rethink. Like I've said before, he is one of the only ones, other than maybe, maybe Hyman, who have been able to get Tavares and Nylander on a consistent role. Those two have been so consistent since Galchenyuk has joined that line. I do not think that Galchenyuk should be moved from there, unless it's proven that someone like Felino could do better. Another cool thing from this game, Keith has coached 100 games for the Leafs with 61 wins, 28 losses, and 11 OT losses. That makes him the coach with the most wins through, the fir- through his first 100 games in franchise history, Congrats to him. Another one, Campbell has the best start to a season for a goaltender in franchise history in 103 years with a 16-2-2 record, which is the most wins by a Leafs goaltender through 20 games. Lastly, the game on Saturday, again against Montreal. This is where we clinch the top of the North Division, first time since 2000 and second time since 1938. Canada's team has officially been crowned for this season, at least. I mean, I think we all knew that Toronto uh, Maple Leafs was, were Canada's team all along, but this makes it official. So this game also saw Hudden in for Sandin. Again, not a cause for concern because it's mainly for, for cap reasons. And again, Hudden had only played in one previous game, I believe. So it could have just been to be able to see him in another game and get a feel again for where and when he could possibly be used if needed. And he made a huge hit on uh, Josh Anderson in this game as well, which Josh Anderson walked away like crying and complaining from, which was pretty funny. But again, it shows if you need an up in your physicality at a point during this series, maybe throw Hudden in instead. Uh, so this game overall, we had a slow start, but when we when we were challenged, when we were down, uh, they like it's like they flipped a switch and then they just exploded. Engvall got a goal this game as well. He's got three goals in three games. Definitely making a case for himself and rather strongly too. Does make the decision harder. Simmons was also doing amazing this game with his physicality. Playoff preview of playoff Simmons. He knows when to do it and when not to do it. There were a couple instances where he was hit right before he was going to the bench to change for a shift and he just left the guy and then when he came on for his next shift, he, you know, went after the guy and turned it up again. So playoff preview for him there. Overall, great game, aside from the first period. All right, so we are going to take another break now, and we'll be coming back from the break to take a break from Tome with a very, very special guest, so stay tuned. It is now everyone's favorite part of the episode. It is time to take a break from Tone. I am super excited to welcome a brand new special guest to the podcast. He is the host of TSN's hockey coverage. He is James Duthie. So how are you doing? Uh, Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad we could hook this up. Yeah, me too. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and everything. My pleasure. It means a lot. I thought we could just talk about a few things. Like I know you've experienced a lot of things in terms of your career and also with the playoffs and stuff coming up, I thought we could talk about... A couple of things related to that too. Um, yeah, whatever you want. 
Awesome. So, like, in terms of uh, what you've been doing, I know you do, uh, you cover a lot of things like the Masters and the World Juniors and NHL and all of that. Um, right. What's What's it like to be exposed to so many different platforms and be able to, you know, experience so many different things? I feel super lucky. <laughs> I really do. I think probably most people uh, know me from hockey just because I've done that, you know, for the last whatever it is, 18 years on TSN, but I never got into the business just to do hockey. I love mm-hmm. hockey like you do, yeah. but I, I love a variety of sports. And so uh, it was funny when we, all I did was hockey for about 15 years there. And then when we lost the national rights to Sportsnet, uh, whatever it was, six, seven years ago, I was able to go back and do some of the things I'd done before and Super Bowls and Masters, like you say. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I really enjoy that. I really like a variety of of going to all these different events yeah yeah it, it sounds cool and it's cool to see you on so many different platforms too like not to just watch you on tv on on tsn covering nhl games but also to see you elsewhere it's it's cool to see someone be able to do so many different things well so, thank you yeah, it's, it's cool to be able to do it for sure so on on that topic i it might be hard to pick but do you have a favorite that that you cover yeah i would say uh if they on a yearly basis um that my two favorites are the world juniors and the masters. Mm-hmm. And if you, it would be like asking me to pick my favorite child between, <laughs> between the two of them, which I have a favorite child. I just can't say. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, like for different reasons, right? Like the world juniors, you're a big hockey fan. So you mm-hmm. know this, like when the world juniors are in Canada, yeah. non pandemic, yeah. you have a full building, in wherever Ottawa or Vancouver or Calgary mm-hmm. or somewhere, uh, it's just it's so awesome, uh, and so and I just love the hockey. I think it's the best hockey that we see all year anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. The Masters is different. The Masters is it's not just the golf tournament. It's the fact that again in a normal year, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of the beginning of everything, right? You go to the Masters, and first of all, Canada's still sort of just at the end of winter. And it's beautiful, usually in Georgia. The golf course is perfect. And the hockey playoffs are starting, and the basketball playoffs are starting. And it just, the summer is ahead, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, there's just something about Masters Week I find really, really special. So it would be a real toss up between those two events as my favorite ones to cover. Yeah, that's, those are both very good reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to switch focus quickly to the NHL. Um, and you mentioned uh, briefly watching the Rangers game tonight. And I know that this it's a huge conversation now. It's probably the biggest over the past couple of days with what happened with Tom Wilson um, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. And I know he got a $5,000 fine for what he did with uh, Buchnevich. And then mm-hmm. he, he didn't get anything for what he did to Panarin. So just um, kind of asking, first off, what are your thoughts about like what um, Wilson did and the actions he took. Like, do you think there's a place for that in the game? Great question. Uh, the thing I find about media in general and social media these days is that you have to have a polar opinion. So you either have to think that what Tom Wilson did was fine and it's just part of the game, yeah. or you have to think that he should be suspended for the rest of the year in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I, I've heard a variety of both of those opinions over yeah. the last couple of days. And I really think the answer, like most things, is somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think he should have been suspended. Yeah. Um, there is some truth to this stuff happens all the time. I was listening to Lars Eller talk about it today, saying this happens in all sorts of games. Sidney Crosby was involved in an incident last night where yeah. 
with Konechny where he was sort of shoving him into the ice. There's truth to that. But when you are Tom Wilson and you've done these things before, you lose the benefit of the doubt. And so I certainly think it was a, a, a poor decision by the NHL that they should have let it, at least kept them out of this game. I would have been fine with a couple of games suspension. Yeah. And watching it in super slow-mo, I didn't think, you know, a couple of times I thought he actually held Panarin up instead of, uh, you know, you can analyze things 18 yeah. different ways in super <laughs> slow-mo. Yeah. But uh, so I think it should have been in the middle. I believe he should have been suspended. I also think it's not the worst thing I've ever seen mm-hmm. and that we tend to take these things to extremes, right? So as far where... It fits in the game. Again, I'm sort of a middle grounder. I work with people that are completely anti-fighting, anti-scrum, whatever. Uh, I tend to defer to players who played the game for a long time to think that it does serve a purpose in there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those things are natural in the sport of hockey, which is just you know the, the speed and violence of hockey that you're bound to get scrums and anger and things like that. I think yeah. that that's where it's different from any other sport. You know, football is a controlled violence. Um, you know, basketball is not the same. Baseball is not close. Yeah. Hockey is the one sport where uh, I just think it lends itself to that to a, a little bit. So I think there's always going to be a place. I have no problem with scrums and the odd yeah. fight once in a while. I'm glad that we've sort of seen, and t- tonight's not a very good example because <laughs> there was six fights in the first five minutes, but for the most part, we see the end of, you know, the goons who have to fight each other once a night and all that stuff. Yeah. I have no problem that disappearing from the game. If they were to ban fighting and, you know, get automatically kicked out of the game for it, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. So, again, I I'm, I'm, I always think I make terrible radio and opinions because I I think as part of me as a host and a journalist that I try to see both sides and my answer yeah. usually falls somewhere in the middle, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense, yeah. I could never host one of those shows with, like, Stephen A. Smith or uh, Skip Bayless because my opinions aren't strong enough. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think I, I think I agree with you. Um, like, I, I don't mind fighting and stuff in, in games either. It's just, I do think he got, like, the worst of it. Like, he got a lot of backlash because he's had such history uh, right. with violence before. But I definitely agree. I think there should have been a suspension as well. That's, that's where I kind of land there. And uh, I do agree with what a lot of the players said, that, you know, every team in the NHL would take Tom Wilson on their team. So you can have outrage all you want, but that's, that is the truth. Uh, you can argue whether that's right yeah. or not with yeah. the culture of hockey, but every team in the NHL would take Tom Wilson in a heartbeat because yeah. a guy like that who can do, you know, he's a really good hockey player, plus he can do that other stuff. I wish, you know, there's guys like Wilson and Brad Marchand, and uh, not that they're the exact type of player, but you know what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. They don't need to do some of these things. That's the mm-hmm. only thing that bothers me. Yeah. Like, Tom Wilson doesn't need to do some of the things he does that gets him suspended. Yeah. Marchand, who's kind of toned it down this year, yeah, didn't yes. need to do some of the antics that he did. Uh, you know, you can play on the line and still, you know, not make idiot hits or be an idiot. And uh, I wish they could, you know, tone it down a little uh, bit. Yeah. There's no reason for Tom Wilson to have been suspended six times. It's, just, yeah. it's, you know, once in a while, sure, but whatever. Yeah, I agree with that. And then also, like, what you were saying um, how people would love to have them on your team. Like, I, I agree with that. I just think what's making people say that is, is what they're doing. Like, obviously, their skill and and you want someone like the Rangers, for example. Everyone's saying they don't have someone to now go and stand up to right. uh, Wilson. So, like, you need you need to have someone like that. Obviously, not take it yeah, overboard, but, 
Yeah. Well, it was perfect, though, because, you know, rosters, you can't afford to have a goon anymore who just fights. Mm -hmm. Those have been dead now for the last five years or so. And, uh, but you would love to have a guy who can, and that's not like Wilson's a big fighter, but you can have who can be a big physical presence like that yeah. and also be a really good hockey player. I mean, let me ask you. I know you're a huge Leafs fan. Yeah. If you could have Tom Wilson right now, they said, okay, we're going to give you Tom Wilson for, let me think of something fair for you. Zach Hyman, would you make that deal? Um, Putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like how I'm thinking right now, I would say no. Just because um, I know like this past season, Hyman's, he's done a lot for the team. Right. And um, right. I'd say he's one of the most val valuable people on the team this season. I would right. definitely argue that. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the same... Um, level of physicality that someone like Wilson does but he kind of has that like the grit and stuff like he'll get into corners and stuff like that so I don't know if I'd make that deal either that was the first name that came to mind <laughs> what if it was a lopsided deal so you only had to trade Galchenyuk and Wayne Simmons <laughs> uh -huh. I'm turning this podcast on you that's what I do See, I twisted around. <laughs> I think that one I'd, I'd, I'd be <laughs> more okay with, maybe, because I guess, yeah, I think that one you I'd be more... You all your leaves, you don't want to part with any of them, No, right? I don't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So I just wanted to move over to everything that the NHL did to get to, um, to be able to play this season and how they were able to rearrange the divisions and everything. What do you yeah. think, what do you think about the division spread? Like, do you think that it's it's been working yeah or... for you know i i think that we can all make criticisms mm -hmm. i think considering what they were up against you know we were around christmas time and trying to get a season underway january 10th with covid swirling all over the place i think that it's pretty impressive that they pulled this off mm -hmm. i think the canadian division was a an excellent idea mm -hmm. considering what was going on in the states at the yeah. time yeah and, you know, until the issues with Vancouver and a little bit with Montreal, yep. uh, the Canadian division came through relatively well until then. Uh, so I think it was it was good in a one-time basis. Uh, I'm looking forward to it being back to normal next year. Mm -hmm. The Canadian division thing is interesting. The one, one thing I was afraid of, everybody was so excited yeah. at the beginning of January, and as was I, but I really feared that it was too much of a good thing and that if we had the playoff races were over which they for all intents and purposes are that it might be kind of a lackluster ending mm -hmm. and I think that's what we're in for that I think you know the idea of seeing Austin Matthews against Connor McDavid yeah. uh, whatever it was eight times nine times yeah. wow that's something else yeah. but by about the fourth time it wasn't that exciting anymore mm -hmm. right yeah. Yeah. and that bothered me because we should get excited every time those two guys play. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and so I think it was, you know, playing a team eight, nine times is just, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. And so I really look forward, you know, it would be nice if Canadian teams could play each other more, yeah. you know, maybe four times in the season. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to, you know, the days where we'll stay with the Leafs because that's your team that <laughs> Crosby comes into the rink, you know, once yeah. or twice a year Ovi comes in and yeah. McDavid comes in and it's uh, I met I missed that more than I thought yeah, it's too bad there wasn't a better playoff race you know Calgary and Vancouver and maybe Ottawa if they didn't get it off to a bad start really yeah. pushing Montreal and Winnipeg for the 
last playoff spot. Mm-hmm. That would have made it much more intriguing, but instead we're kind of just playing out the string here. Yeah, that was actually my follow-up question, if you'd want to see it uh, remain in future seasons. And I, I kind of have the same the same opinion and how I feel like the Canadian division or the North division, whatever, um, that it was like hyped up. And uh-huh. like you said, after the first couple times we saw McDavid and Matthews, it was like, okay, where are the Bruins? Where's Crosby? Where's, where's Ovechkin? Yeah, you're, you're so right. I, yeah. I, I, you're so right. Now, what if, could we have the Canadian, look, it's not going to happen anyway. They're going back, the NHL said it, but could you do the Canadian division in a normal season uh, where they only played each other, say, four times each, and you had the, the normal alignment? I suppose that would be interesting. I don't think they could probably do it from a travel perspective. It would probably be too yeah. hard yeah. on the Canadian teams. But, you know, I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that, but it's, it's kind of silly to even think about because it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, about, um, what about the series uh, format, like how teams played each other like three, sometimes two, three times in a row? Would you want? Yeah, I didn't didn't like I didn't like it, okay. uh, and I don't know why. Maybe maybe two in a row was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. Once it got to three again, it was just it was uncle. Now that's probably a selfish answer coming from a host who <laughs> sometimes do the games yeah, back to back. Yeah. So by the third night, I'd be like, "Hey, welcome to the NHL and TSN. Hey, it's uh, Matthews and McDavid again. again. <laughs> I pretty much said everything I have to say about this yeah. thing over the last two nights. Yeah, that's true. So that's, true. Uh, that's probably part of it. And I, again, totally understandable that that's the way they had to do it with yeah. COVID yeah, yeah, and with the travel, but too much, mm-hmm. it, just too much. Uh, I think there was a span when I did Ottawa, Calgary, like four times in five nights. And I was just, oh, yeah, just so hard to come up with original storylines. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. So yeah. in terms of um, the North Division, I know, I don't know if like you've heard, but there's been a lot of like back and forth. Some people saying that it's like, a Mickey Mouse division, like it's an easy division, and then other people saying that it's like a legitimate division or whatever. What mm-hmm. What's your take on that? I would lean towards the latter. Uh, and I don't think it's a silly debate because we'll never know. People can look at the rosters and say, okay, or the way teams played and say, Ottawa, Vancouver, and Calgary weren't very good this year, mm-hmm. and so it was a weaker division, but... You know, we haven't paid much of attention to those other divisions. There's weak teams in, in you know, there's two or three weak teams in every single division. Yeah. And I would I would look at it this way. Toronto's one of the most talented teams in the NHL. I'm not just saying that for you, <laughs> obviously. Uh, yeah, they haven't done anything in the playoffs, but their yeah. roster is, you know, a top five NHL Stanley Cup contender roster. Mm-hmm. The Oilers have two of the, you know, four best players in the world. They finally have a legitimate, you know, number one deep pairing and, and Nurse and Barry and their goaltending has been excellent. Yep. So I wouldn't want to play them necessarily in the playoffs. And Winnipeg, albeit awful couple of weeks here, yeah. but take away this horrendous slump Long they're thing. in, their nine forwards are probably as good nine deep as anybody in the league, mm-hmm. and they have the best a trophy winner in goal. So I don't know how you can look at that and say this is a weak, badass division. Yeah. I mean, that's I think that's just a silly comment. And so, look, if let's say Toronto wins the division and they get swept in the first round, well, everybody will say it was a garbage division. Yeah. I'm not even sure you can say that then. It's just such a silly argument because we'll never, we'll we'll never, never know. really know, yeah. I guess, in, unless next year the rosters are similar and the Canadian teams do lousy in their respective divisions, which, I, mm-hmm. again, I don't think will happen. I think Edmonton will do fine. Toronto will do fine. Winnipeg will do fine. Ottawa will be better. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just think... 
I think that came from a lot of uh, either uh, a lot of Americans and a lot of uh, just non-fans of the Canadian teams who mm-hmm. got sick of watching TSN and, and seeing Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews <laughs> talk about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, to go to your point, there's, uh, if you look at the way that the teams have been, um, have clinched and been eliminated, the North Division, it was just Toronto that had clinched for the longest time, and now Edmonton has clinched, and then Ottawa is the only team that has been eliminated, and then you look at other divisions, like the East is, is already set, so right. um, I think it might be, I, I, I don't know what it is, I think also if you look at, like what you were saying before, if the rosters stay the same, Last uh, last season, um, I'm pretty sure all, almost all Canadian teams made it into the playoffs. So, right. I mean, that was a somewhat more normal season than this season because the divisions right. were normal. So, like, you can look at it that way, too. I just think that... I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I also think that Ottawa, you know, if you go by the weakest link in the division, yeah, Ottawa sucked for the first month, but their Ottawa's not bad. Yeah, like, yeah. And if you go... I can't think you might know better than me who's last in every division. Obviously, Buffalo. Like, Ottawa's better than Buffalo. Um, who's last everywhere else? One of the California uh, teams is last in that division, right? Like uh, Anaheim or something or San Jose. I think it's I Anaheim, think Ottawa, yeah. Ottawa's probably better than them right yeah. now. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's a, a silly argument. Yeah. Okay, so then, like, off of that, um, do you think that maybe this whole thing started because the Leafs – held first for majority of the season because I know like for whatever reason it is whenever you're talking about Matthews you know it's people make the excuse that he's just having a, uh, an unbelievable season because it's the easy division but then you mm-hmm. look at McDavid and he's also having an unbelievable season but I don't see anyone associating his good season with the fact that it's a easy division so I feel like there's something with the Leafs that everyone feels like just because they're in, in first, we're going to call this an easy division. I think that if we were to track it to, um, you know, to track this argument to a certain point in time, it would be those three games that Toronto beat Edmonton mm-hmm. uh, when they completely dominated them. Yeah. And then I think, you know, the rest of the league looks around and says, Okay, well, you know, if Edmonton's the second or third best team in this division, and they can't even skate with Toronto, then this division sucks. Yeah, and and I think you're right. I, I do think it is attributable both to McDavid and, and more Matthews because there's as you know, there's just this overall resentment of Toronto in general and the coverage that the Leafs get. Yeah, and so you know, I feel it all the time because of TSN, and we are guilty of that for sure sometimes that we. We spend more attention on the Leafs, and if Matthews mm-hmm. does something, we blow it up. Uh, although yeah. I'd say we do the same for McDavid. Yeah, yeah, I'd um, say so too. And any of, the, any of the Canadian teams, but certainly we cover the Leafs a lot. And so some of that criticism is fair, but uh, it's warranted in this case. I mean, the guy's going to score 40, 42 goals in yeah. whatever it is, 52 games. Yeah. Uh, that's insane. And what McDavid is doing is equally insane if he gets 100 points or even if he's just shy of it. So. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I just think there's maybe a little, I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but yeah. <laughs> a little jealousy of the attention that yeah. those guys get. That's and true. that probably leads to this to this conversation. Yeah. But I truly believe that Austin Matthews would, uh, you know, within a couple of goals either way, would have the same total if he was playing in the, the East or the Central yeah. or whatever. And, yeah. and McDavid would as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. If the Leafs were to win the cup or make it far in the playoffs or anything like that, um, I, again, I might be biased, but I feel like 
that win or that advancement or whatever success they have would kind of be tainted and again people would associate that victory with you know just because it was an off season uh, they were able to make it that far they were able to win the mm-hmm. cup and things like that um yeah so i just wanted to see if you felt the same i don't think so simply because of what will have to happen in the last two rounds uh any of this criticism or you know goofy season if they beat let's say colorado or vegas mm-hmm. And then, uh, I, I don't know, we don't know how the divisions are going to match up, yeah. but let's say they beat Tampa, mm-hmm. and then they beat Vegas or Colorado to win the Stanley Cup. I think any of that talk of what you're saying, it disappears. You've beaten the best teams in hockey, and uh, it doesn't. none of the other stuff about the division matters anymore. Yeah. I'm more curious from like a Leafs fan perspective, because I'm not a Leafs fan, I'm not a fan of anybody. I get accused sometimes of being a Sens fan because I'm from Ottawa, but I really don't. People can't believe that I don't cheer for anybody, but I don't. I really don't. Uh, the The business kind of sucks the fan out of you yeah, that yeah. way, right? Mm-hmm. And I cheer for people that I like in the game, um, but I don't really cheer for any team. But I'm surrounded by elite people because I live north of Toronto. Yeah. And uh, I'd just be curious what you think as – you haven't gone through some of the pain because you're still young that a lot of Leafs fans yeah. have. But yeah. do you, do you want to win the Stanley Cup this year? You know, imagine winning this. Imagine if they can't play in Canada and their home is, let's say, Buffalo or whatever, someplace in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they win the Stanley Cup in some empty or yeah. half empty. It's just going to be weird, right? Don't you? Wouldn't you almost like to say, "Oh, can they just wait till next year?" Yeah, I feel like. I, I definitely feel like that. I feel like I'd rather them, like, not win. Maybe, like, make it far this year and then, like, win next year if, if they can pull that off. Get um, out of the division, maybe lose in the final four. Yeah, I'd yeah, like I'd be, yeah, I'd be totally okay with that. And then, like, if yeah. they can pull off the win next year, th- like, totally, I would prefer that. But at the yeah. same time, it's like, if they can do it now, like, you just want them yeah. to just do it if they can. I think most people say that. If you get, if you get the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup, and like I said, I really don't think it would be tainted. Uh, you know, when last season was messed up, I don't think Tampa's win is tainted whatsoever. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, the, the last time, the lockout season, which I now I can't remember who won, L.A. or Chicago, um, that that wasn't tainted. We all, uh, you know, it's... The grind to win a Stanley Cup, win 16 games in the playoffs is a grind. So I don't think there's any real asterisks or anything at the Leafs winner, no matter who wins this year. Yeah. So speaking of the playoffs, um, I know that uh, the East, I'm pretty sure the East is the only division that is set in terms of uh, who has clinched. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the other divisions, I just wanted to wonder if you had an idea of who was going to take the last spot. So... Like with the Central Division, for example, um, I'm pretty sure it's only Nashville and Dallas that are that are left. Yeah, there. it's too bad for Dallas because you know Sagan's just come back now. Yeah. And, uh, but I think I think Nashville's going to hold on. Uh, I'm really bad at I haven't looked at the standings today, so from what I remember, maybe they're three points off with like four games left or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I think I've uh, so I think Nashville's going to win there. Uh, what's the other race? Um, in the West, it's St. Louis or Arizona. And who's up right now? It's uh, close, right? Uh, St. Louis. Arizona. Uh, St. Louis is up uh, ahead of them. Uh, right. They I, have. They still have six games left as well. Arizona only has three. I'll take the Blues. 
well, certainly uh, just because of those numbers there. But I, if you would have said they're five games each and they're even, or even if Arizona was up a point, I'd take St. Louis. Yeah. Just pedigree of a team that won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would. I like their chances. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they just have to win one more game and then yeah, clinch. so that I'm, that'll that'll be that. Um, and then North is the last one. Um, Winnipeg, Montreal, Calgary, Vancouver. Well, that's that's ba- that's over. Um, it's just a matter, basically, of who's going to play who. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the Jets are struggling right now, I guess. You know, they're due to snap out for sure, but I don't think it really matters. Um, Winnipeg's in a tough spot because the two teams that they've they struggled against everybody lately, but the two teams they struggled against a lot this year are Toronto and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I still think Winnipeg in a playoff series could, could hurt you. Yeah. Um, it's funny with Leaf fans, I'm sure there's not a ton of confidence no matter who you play, right? Just because of all the stars yeah. of the last few years. Yeah. But, you know, they should win a best of seven over Winnipeg or Montreal, whoever they play in the first round. But mm-hmm. So that's basically the jockeying right now. I think it should be it should be Toronto Edmonton in the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you never know, right? With goaltending and everything. Yeah, yeah. Who, who would you rather see the Leafs play in the first round? Montreal, just because it's been too long since mm-hmm. that series has happened. Yeah. Again, a bit of a shame that it would happen with no fans. Yeah. Just because <laughs> the two buildings would be awesome for that series. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's still special when the Habs play the Leafs. So I'd rather the Habs play the Leafs and then see what happens between Winnipeg and Edmonton. Yeah. So looking again spe- uh, specifically at the Leafs, there's been a lot of uh, like back and forth discussion on a few things. So one of the things was uh, the goalies and how we have Campbell right now, but Freddie uh, Anderson is getting ready to come back. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's playing a game with the Marlies uh, tomorrow, actually. Mm-hmm. I think he's playing half a game. Um, so considering that you know he might not get any actual NHL games or thinking that you know Campbell's already on a roll and he's already like in the groove kind of thing, um, who who do you think is the better uh, brings the most opportunity? I guess to put in the right. first round. So I think you start with Jack Campbell just because of exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. That Freddie hasn't been around enough, and if he's not going to get a game in, in the regular season, I think that just the comfort level of the players around Campbell, but he's you know he's won them a lot of games. That he starts the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he finishes the playoffs though. Yeah. I think that that Freddie gets in, um, if not in the first round, in the second round, and then, then you see there will be a time Jack Campbell will have a bad game mm-hmm. and give up four or five and they'll lose, and there'll be a little bit of panic, and that's when the interesting decision will have to be made. If Freddie's healthy and he looks good for the Marlies, then I think that's where it'll get really interesting. So yeah. you go with Campbell as long as you're winning. He has a bad night. Then you get Freddie Anderson in there. Now, if it's an elimination game in Game 6 or Game 7, that makes the decision even more intriguing. <laughs> yeah. I would love to get him in no matter what. Let, let's say let's say you play Montreal and you get up 2 nothing or 3 nothing in the series. Mm-hmm. Well, you're probably not you're probably not going to take Campbell out if he's won three straight. Yeah. But that might be an opportunity. I don't know. I'd that like to get Freddie in a game. Me too. You know, before it was a, a game seven or elimination game or yeah. something like that where you felt like you had to put him in. Yeah. So, 
Uh, you know, maybe it's a situation where Campbell gets pulled in game three of round one, you know, after giving up three goals in the first. Mm-hmm. And then Anderson, you get to watch him for two periods and get a real feel for what he's got and he can make a decision if he starts yeah. the next game. Yeah. I, but in the end, I, I would make this prediction that if the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, that I think Freddie Anderson will, will be the guy in goal at the end of it. That's that's the way I that's what I, I believe. That's what I think too. I think he's he's going to be the one that they that they end up sticking with in the end. That's that's what I think too. So um, continuing on that kind of topic, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about like for example with defense, um, Bogosian is out uh, most likely for all of the first round, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So looking at you have uh, Derma and Sandin um, that are looking like they're going to be like the bottom pair. Uh, right. and when Bogosian gets back, uh, like if you have an opinion on whether uh, you think that it would be Sandin or Dermot based on how they've been playing recently. Boy, you ask good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I, I have a feeling Bogosian might be longer even. Like it, it oh, might yeah. be might be second round or mm-hmm. third round. Uh, and then, you know, if you're into the third round, do you bring him back into the lineup? Yeah. Those are all interesting questions. He yeah. really did have a good year. Yeah, he did. Uh, Sandin has really impressed me. And so I would say him right now. Mm-hmm. Dermot is a more of a, I suppose, a sure thing. You know almost exactly what you're getting. We've watched him for whatever it is, three seasons now. So you know what you're getting with Travis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that Erasmus offers you a little bit more. Uh, and so I would say him for now with the caveat that, again, you never know in a first playoff how yeah, a guy's going to perform. Be, yeah. Maybe he gets a little overwhelmed. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's, you know what, it's, it's a luxury for the Leafs to have these sort of decisions because (laughs) remember the last few years, some years where you're just like, Oh God, can you find six guys to put in there that could help you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have a situation where you have depth and you're able to talk about, you know, decisions on the third pairing where you have two viable options. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a really good position for them to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then it's the kind of like the same story with the forwards and everything. Um, I know Brooks has been put in um, recently and Hyman's also getting ready to come back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a, a few people are saying that it's it's Brooks that's going to be out because he's younger, not as experienced. And then right. I've seen other people saying Mikhaev or Galchenyuk. Um, do you have uh, an opinion there? I think Galchenyuk's the most interesting uh, piece in all of this, mm-hmm. simply because he can look great at times, as he has yeah. for the Leafs. Yeah. And some, you know, he's fit in on the top line at times when he's been there. He's fit in on the second line at times. But he has this track record of kind of starting off really well and then really fading with teams. That's why he's been with seven teams in yeah. three years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so to me, he's the big X factor. Because if you can if you can pencil him in on, on the, let's say, the Tavares-Nylander line, yep. then that gives you so much flexibility. Because I think Hyman belongs with Matthews and Marner. Same. <laughs> and that's where he should be on the top line. Yeah. And then you have the the ability to play Felino on the third line. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's going to force a couple of those guys out down down the bottom. Uh, uh, so I don't know how, you, you know, does Joe end up sitting at a certain point in time would be a, a big question, too. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there might end up having to be games where Joe Joe doesn't dress, perhaps, yeah. although he's looked pretty good the last, last little while. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of dodging your question. I, I, no, okay. I, I think if Galchenyuk's in there... Uh, the fourth line is kind of interchangeable that you know, it's it's not a I don't think 
you know, Leaf fans, because they need something to talk about, we'll talk about that. But, you know, Brooks is in one night, and, you know, Mikheyev's out or whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the fourth line, so it's all good, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. What about uh, Nash? Do you see him, like, I know he might be ready. Do you see them using him mm-hmm. at all, or? Again, I think it'll depend on these, if they get him in, in the last few. I think they had him practicing on the number one peak at day. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think he's. This is basically an audition for him. If he gets, if we get to see him over these last few games, yeah. then they'd love to get him in too. And that's just another option that you have in the fold uh, down there in the third and fourth line. So, mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to make a judgment on that without seeing, yeah, yeah. you know, the kind of shape he's in and yeah. and and how he, and the guy's certainly worthy of playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah on the on the least fourth line, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I always defer to Sheldon Keith to know better about his guys to make better decisions than I would <laughs> yeah. on making those last two lines up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, okay, last thing on the Leafs in the playoffs. Um, what do you think they have to do to make it out of the first round? Is there anything that, I mean, obviously the power play is mm-hmm. its own thing. So, first of all, just the hockey basics. Be good on special teams. You don't have to be amazing, but, yeah. you know, don't be whatever it was, one for... Yeah, 52 yeah. or whatever on the <laughs> yeah. <power> play. <laughs> like, you know, you can go one for seven. Yeah. And then maybe uh, be good on the – so take care of your special teams. And I don't think your special teams have to be fantastic. I think they have to be just average yeah. or, you know, better than the other teams. Yeah. Don't have a nightmare in goal. Um, that's the only thing that could happen, you know, a couple of weeks ago and everybody was panicking when <laughs> Campbell had a couple of bad games and then Riddick was awful. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You, you can't have that happen in the first round of the playoffs, yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I would just say don't panic. That, you know, we've seen that with the Leafs sometimes in the playoffs, whether it's a game seven or whatever, is it, uh, you know, they just tend to fall apart and maybe doubt themselves and mm-hmm. believe all the doubters that are out there. Yeah. They're better than every team in this division. And so I just think if they lose game one, let's say, mm-hmm. just relax and don't. And I actually think it's going to help them with no fans. I really yeah, believe that. Now, that's true. I thought I said the same thing last year and they lost to Columbus. <laughs> but uh, but I really believe that, uh, you know, the pressure is not, you don't feel it the same. You don't hear those groans in the building yeah, the yeah. way you do. Yeah. For, an inst- for a fragile team, which, you know, until they win in the playoffs, we have to still call them fragile. Mm-hmm. That that will be a benefit, not having fans in the building wherever they're playing. And just, I think it's a long series. Don't panic. And I, I think they'll be fine. There's, yeah. like I said, there's no reason that the Montreal Canadiens should beat the Leafs in a seven game series. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's just way more talent on Toronto and everybody can say Carey Price could steal a series. Um, but the Carey Price has given no evidence really yeah. that he can steal a series uh, lately, yeah. really yeah. in the last couple of, of, of years. And, and I guess he was pretty good last year in the run. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Jake Allen's playing a lot too. So uh, I just, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. I think the leadership will also help too. Like what you were saying for them not to panic and stuff. They've got a lot of leaders in the room now. So I 100%. think that'll, that'll definitely help too. I think, I really think, uh, you know, we'll probably do our predictions. I think this is the year they're going to come out of the division. I, I do believe that. And, uh, uh, you know, third round, no idea, but. Yeah. I think with a team like the Leafs, if you get out of the division and you get that massive monkey on your back, then 
sky's the limit as to what they do. Yeah, exactly. uh, I think they'll have a whole lot of confidence no matter who they play yep. in the next round, even if it's somebody like Tampa or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so that's enough talk about that. So I w- wanted to bring up um, your book. Um, I'm like three quarters of the way through it now. And um, I know like you ask a lot of people about all their amazing stories. Um, I just wanted to know if you maybe had a story of your own that you'd want to share. <laughs> wow, that's a big question. Well, I, I, I wrote a book before Beauties, mm-hmm. which was uh, uh, sort of my stories. I hate to say that because it sounds so self-indulgent, but because uh, it wasn't like an autobiography, but more like I just wanted to share the uh, my favorite stories from my career, right? Yeah. From, the, from the people that I've met yeah. uh, and the people that I've, you know, all the different guys on the panel and covering mm-hmm. the Masters and the Super Bowls and Olympics and all those things. And uh, that's called The Guy on the Left. I'm just trying to think if I, had, if I have a favorite story from, from that book that uh, I'd tell you. Um, my own personal favorite hockey story, if you want a hockey story, yeah. is, is that, uh, see, I was late to hockey. I grew up in BC, and mm-hmm. so I, we played soccer all winter. So I moved to Ottawa when I was eight, and I couldn't skate. So I was so far behind everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Ottawa's yeah. a big hockey town. Yeah. And uh, so my dad went to some exchange to buy me gear. My dad was a great guy, but he was really cheap. And uh, so we went to some school exchange to pick up gear, and, and he didn't buy me a jock. He said, uh, nobody's going to be able to raise the puck, so you don't need a job. <laughs> and it was before face masks were mandatory, and I had the goofiest-looking mask. It like came, it's like this one-piece thing that came over your nose. Yeah. So I was the most ridiculous guy on the ice. <laughs> for three years, I played with no job. So oh, my gosh. <laughs> I always tell my kids that like they're real miracles. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> So my hockey career uh, is not worthy of being anything in a book. But you wanted a hockey story for me. There yeah. you go. Thank you. (laughs) Really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, no problem. Bye. Okay, bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed the break from Tone with James Duffy. I hope you guys got a lot from the conversation and that you enjoyed the conversation that I had with him. Now we are going to move on and we are going to discuss the player of the week. And this week, which I mentioned earlier, it is none other than... Austin Matthews. Once again, he was the player of the week last week as well. He hit the 40 goal mark in 49 games. Just unbelievable to have a player in the league where you pretty much know that whenever this guy is playing in a game, it's almost guaranteed that a goal is going to go in by him. He is the first player in over 20 years to reach the 40 goal mark in 49 or fewer games. Just imagine if it was a full season. That would have been so awesome and so interesting to see. I know he definitely would have hit close to 60, if not over 60 goals. Hopefully next year, he kind of has the same pattern and we're able to see what he can do in a full season. He also hit the 40 mark while missing three games and playing about 10 games or so with an injured wrist, where it was actually quoted that during that time, he couldn't even hold the stick on his own with with that hand. So just really incredible and it's his third time hitting 40 in the first five seasons so it has nothing to do with being in the north division his goals this season the breakdown he had 30 even strength goals 10 power play goals 12 game winners none of his goals were empty netters just to boot his defensive game has been absolutely insane lately so we should all be super thankful to have austin matthews on our team and be able to watch him game in and game out absolutely dominate the league 
All right, so to end off, we're going to discuss a couple of the main takeaways. First one is that resting players is normal. I know a lot of people were questioning like why Sandin was sitting out or why Brooks was sitting out for a game. There's no need to panic. It's like I said, it's mostly cap related. Plus, trying to get guys in to see who can do what. It doesn't mean that one guy isn't performing well or that they're going to choose Hudden over Sandin or that they're going to choose Noison over over Brooks or over whatever. There's nothing nothing more to read into it other than it being cap related, being able to get a couple guys in when you know that these games mean virtually nothing. Second takeaway, power play discussion. I kind of dodged it last week because I talked ma- uh, mainly about the penalty kill and how it's been doing great, which it still has been doing great, but there were a few changes made this week that I wanted to touch upon. One change that has actually not been made yet is Matthews has yet to return to the right side. I don't know if there's some reason as to why they haven't done it yet, but it seems to be an obvious choice. I mean, given how well it's worked for them in the past, I'm kind of confused as to why they haven't resorted back to it, even at least just to try for at least one power play, just put him back there just to see if it clicks and if it does something again. I don't know why why they're avoiding it so much. There's another reason or something. Matthews also tried the front of the net for a bit. Again, still doesn't do anything for him really or for the power play because that's just not what he's supposed to be doing. He's not supposed to be front of the net presence. He's supposed to be the shooter on the power play because he has the best shot in the league, literally. And I also noticed Matthews has a hard time becoming open and creating lanes for himself to shoot. So, I mean, he just looks kind of uncomfortable in everywhere else where he's been. So just put him back to where he's more comfortable and stop trying to force him to, you know, fit somewhere where it's not really working. Definitely should be there for the playoffs on the right side. Maybe it's because he doesn't want to hurt himself again before the playoffs or like aggravate something before the playoffs by taking shots from there because maybe that's what had happened or what had aggravated his injury before. Not sure. Other than that, I really, really, really like Sandin on the first power play unit. And the reason is because he's just, he's really calm and he's really controlled. He knows how to control the puck on the blue line. He's really calm. And when he's pressured, he moves the puck fast, but he doesn't panic. He doesn't just, you know, try to do something random with the puck when he's pressured at the blue line. He actually, you know, he still moves fast, but in a smart way way he makes smart fast passes or he just dumps it in instead of trying to dangle which is what a lot of other defenders like Riley and other people like Nylander and Marner they tend to do a lot at the blue line try to dangle around the player and a lot of times we've seen it turn into breakaways or odd man rushes the other way so Sandin's able to you know, under pressure, just dump it in or make a smart pass, send it in the corner, do something other than try to dangle at the blue line. So I I really, I really like him there. He's a good fit there. Also, they just really need to stop the 5 million passes and they just need to start shooting. Shoot from the wings, shoot from the point, screen the goalie, just shoot. Getting these passes, making all these passes, it's not opening the shooting lanes in the way that they thought it would it's not confusing the other team in the way that they thought it would where they would you know pass it a million times and then find an open slot it rarely happens and they take way too long make a couple passes and then send someone in front and then just shoot and you get a rebound and then you see what happens from there the units are working the players on the units are working the play needs to change the play 
literally makes no sense. All right, so the third takeaway is whether players should be rested before playoffs. There's a yes versus no argument to be had here. Now, the argument for resting players is that there's always the possibility that things like what happened with Felino could happen, where guys get injured for basically no reason, meaning they get injured in games that mean nothing so they're like in the grand scheme of things there's no reason for Felino to get injured for example because the game meant nothing so you would want to rest them the no argument is that there's also a concern that there's already too much rest between their last game which is on the 14th and when the playoffs would start which I believe is like the 21st or something Keith expressed concern himself that players already are going to be having too much rest which may signal that he's kind of favoring or leaning towards keeping guys in. Now, my thoughts, I'd say maybe, maybe in the Jets game to rest uh, your star guys because I can see that game, based on what happened last time, I can see that game getting a bit rough, so it could be a bit risky for them. I would be okay with other decision, though, I think. I'm kind of favoring no rest just because in previous times when the Leafs have had a lot of rest, it hasn't really been good for them when they've come off come off of a long uh, break and play and especially right now if they're in this groove I would want them to keep going keep playing so that they stay like in this kind of rhythm I'm leaning towards just not giving them any rest just to kind of reduce the uncertainty of what team would be starting the playoffs good leaves versus bad leaves Anyway, so the next takeaway is uh, an update actually on the healthy competition that's been going on between mainly Engvall, Galchenyuk, Mikhaev, Brooks, Kerfoot. I think it's really mainly just between Engvall, Mikhaev, and Brooks. Engvall's been really making a case for himself, like I said, three goals in three games. But uh, before I said Engvall would be out and Mikhaev would take would take the spot. Honestly, I'm thinking Mikhaev is inching closer to be the the odd guy out. The only thing extra that Mikhaev has going for him is the penalty kill because Engvall is not good at killing penalties like Mikhaev is. The only extra thing that Engvall has going for him is goal scoring. He can score goals. We know that Mikhaev has trouble scoring goals, so they could easily be used in different scenarios, which is also what I said last week that, you know, it's it's not set in stone. There's going to be one guy that's chosen over all the others, but it's not set in stone. In different circumstances, you're going to be using different guys. If you need, if your team's taking a lot of penalties or, or whatever, maybe you throw Mikhaev in if you need speed or whatever. If you need scoring and your team's lacking scoring and you need to like jumpstart the third or fourth line, for example, then you might throw Engvall in there to try and get some scoring going. I mean, at the end of the day, this competition between these guys may not matter because if they choose to use Nash, all those guys, except for Galchenyuk and Kerfoot, would be out. The last spot right now is between Nash Mikhaev, Brooks, and Volk. It's between those guys, the last spot. So in the end of the day, the competition might not matter, but it has been doing wonders for their individual performance and for their team performance. All right, second last takeaway. Who's the better first round matchup, Montreal or Winnipeg? In hindsight, I think they'd be okay with either and they should be able to be either in a seven game series. Montreal might be favored because Jets have a lot of superstars and they have more experience. So they could be more dangerous when when provoked or when challenged. Montreal has a good team, but I feel like they're too young and inexperienced. They've got a young core. So they would they would still there would still be a challenge, don't get me wrong. But it would be better for the Leafs to play Montreal and better too in terms of confidence and building confidence if they're able to move past the first round. So I think they'd be okay with either, but Montreal might be 
their better bet. All right, last, what do the Leafs need to do to make it past round one? Obviously, the power play needs to, needs some sort of firecracker lit into it. But other than that, just don't panic. You know, like uh, James Duffy had said before, don't panic. It should be easier than maybe it has been in the past because they have a huge abundance of leaders now. They have highly experienced playoff guys that they've obtained over the last uh, over the last year. Thornton, Spezza, Simmons, Tavares, Hyman, Felino, Nash. A huge pool of guys like that. So in terms of panicking, it, sh- it shouldn't really be an issue. Also, increasing their toughness, which we've seen them which we've seen them doing over the past few weeks, and they seem to have significantly more of it than they have last year. You know. From new players they got, like Thornton, Nash, Felino, but also from guys that grew into their size and grew into using toughness more this year, like Matthews, Hyman, Sandin, and don't forget Simmons as well. We got a glimpse of him in the past couple games uh, playoff-wise as well. Lastly, possibly most important, keep it simple. Use the skill that they have, but keep it simple. You know, the last few games, they've been getting a little fancy with the odd man rushes, passing too many times, not shooting, also with taking shots and either taking too long to shoot or electing to pass when a clear shooting lane is open. Keeping it simple is a huge, huge factor for them because it's very easy for the guys on that team like Nylander, Matthews, Marner to very easily turn to trying to be too fancy, which again should be helped with the leadership that they have on the group as well to tell them like to calm down and, and keep it simple. So this week, I'm not talking about who's going to be in the lineup because there's just too many possibilities and I've talked about it so much. So all I will say is Keith's job is going to going to be tough for sure. That's all for this week. Those are all the takeaways. I hope you enjoy taking a break from tone for a little bit as well. And I hope you enjoyed the recap of the week and everything. So upcoming games, we've got Wednesday versus the Sens. And the last game for the Leafs is Friday versus the Jets. So regular season is coming to an end. We were crowned the King of Kings of the North, the Team of the North. Uh, again, amazing accomplishment. So let's hope that they finish this, this regular season off strong. And I will talk to you all next week and hopefully... We'll be getting set to start the playoffs and make a bunch of predictions and everything. Until then, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, you can reach out to me on my Twitter or my Instagram at thathockeychick or at thehockeychick, which is for Twitter. Until next week, go Leafs go! Once again, my name is Antonia Mendelia and I'm That Hockey Chick.